from the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com. Here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. Hello, everybody. Glad to be with you again. It's a uh, 2019 edition of the Red Raiders Podcast brought to you by the Avalanche Journal. I'm Don Williams from the AJ Sports Department, along with Carlos Silva Jr., AJ Sports Editor. We are uh, just days away from the Red Raiders football season opener, Carlos. It comes up next Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. at Jones Stadium. Texas Tech taking on Montana State, which was an FCS playoff team a year ago and have some pretty key weapons returning from that team. Before we talk about Montana State, though, in season opener, we need to talk about what has gone on with the Red Raiders in the month of August and the last about three weeks of uh, training camp, which just concluded yesterday. Um, so Texas Tech going at it for about, uh, what, 17, 18 practices mm-hmm. now, something yep. like that. Yep. And so it's given us a little bit of insight. We don't get to see a whole lot of practice. That's kind of the way college football works yep. these days, not just at Texas Tech, but all over the country, particularly in the Power Five schools they they keep us media guys out for most for most of the time so uh we get to see a little bit and hear mm-hmm. hear a lot and uh, Carlos I guess what is the uh, what, what is one thing that you feel like you've learned over these last three weeks about this football team well I think uh first off I think the one thing you'll learn is that there's a lot more discipline and I and I don't say that to to kind of put a a, a little I guess deterrence on what Cliff Kingsbury was doing he obviously had his own style Matt Wells has his own style, and I think the one thing people are going to notice is that they are focusing on the smaller things, whether it's kind of tying your shoes the, the, the same way each day. It's just a matter of, and I think, uh, Ma- uh, not Maverick McIver, uh, Alan Bowman, pardon me, uh, the quarterback for Texas Tech, just kind of brought up the fact that when you asked them uh, about the difference between Cliff Kingsbury and David Yost in terms of their offensive minds, they want to really get them down into a rhythm of we're running the same play multiple times so you are used to it and your body and your muscles are just so used to running this play that you already know how to do it. So you're basically perfecting a small amount of plays compared to trying to out-scheme a defense by doing multiple plays. Now, again, different ways of doing things. The question will be is, will that lead to more wins than losses? Obviously, we will start to see that going into next week when they play Montana State. But the one thing that I did learn as you kind of uh, asked at the top of the show, Don, is it seems like they're focusing on the little things. It seems like defense is going to – I don't think it's going to be world beaters, but I think it's going to be good enough to win you games in the Big 12 because every time uh, Keith Patterson, the defensive coordinator, talks about trying to – play in the Big 12, it's a matter of just getting the ball back to the offense. It's not a matter of kind of obviously holding a team to 10 points. If that happens, that's an anomaly in the Big 12. But I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to get stops, and by stops they mean fourth down stops, third down stops, holding a team to not making a field goal. Those are stops to them in their terms, and I think that's kind of the the new mindset that maybe some fans have to kind of get used to in the Big 12 is, yes, it is about scoring points, but for the defense, it's about getting the ball back, turning the opposing team's offense over and getting the ball back to their offense and scoring points in that fashion. Here's one thing I've learned. One thing I've learned uh, in training camp is uh, the defensive backfield is going to look a lot different this year because – 
Adrian Fry is going to play safety, and Douglas Coleman is going to play safety. And uh, that was uh, kind of the great unknown at the end of spring, all through spring practice and really even after spring practice and through the summer was how are they going to work? How are they going to uh, arrange the defensive backs? Because they lost all those senior safeties. They had a bunch of cornerbacks back. Mm-hmm. They lost a bunch of the safeties, not only Deshaun Johnson, but John Bonney and Vontae Dorsey and Keshawn Allen, who even started like nine games a couple of years ago. Safeties were pretty much were almost completely voided except for Thomas Leggett. Cornerbacks had back. Coleman and Fry and Des Smith and Demarcus Fields and John Davis and Matt Wells is a little bit coy, coy about it uh, through spring and even into summer and even uh, uh, up at Big Twelve Media Day about who was going to play where and what we saw really from very early on in training camp was that uh, uh, what they decided to do is put Adrian Fry and Douglas Coleman at safeties and I think it's good from the standpoint of you get your most experienced players on the field because uh, you don't have as much depth as you maybe had last year. But what you do have is everybody who's going to be playing in the defensive backfield in the starting lineup starting in game one is going to be guys that you know their names, guys who have played a bunch. You're going to have probably DeMarcus Fields on one corner, Des Smith on another corner, mm-hmm. possibly Zach McPherson, the Penn State transfer, but you're going to have – uh, then Fry and Coleman at the safeties. All mm-hmm. four of those guys have played a lot of football for Texas Tech, so your bust should be reduced. There's none of those guys that uh, have, are unfamiliar with the bright lights yeah. of college football. There's mm-hmm. none of those guys that are unfamiliar with what it means to defend the pass in the Big 12. And so that that's one thing that uh, I think we've learned in uh, training camp. Um, let's flip it over to concerns. What, do you, what, what is one concern that you feel like the Red Raiders have after these first three weeks? Well, it's funny you bring up defensive backs because I feel like that's really the concern, and it kind of goes towards the whole team, but the death situation for a lot of uh, for a lot of positions, and it starts with the defensive backs or kind of however you want to call it, the, the Raider back, however they want to kind of label that, just all the guys that are in the back end of the defense. And uh, uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that Justice Parker will not be playing for Texas Tech due to uh, some NCAA violations earlier in the spring, so he won't even be able to play at the D3 level, if I'm not mistaken. He tried to do that. In, NCAA, or, NCAA or NAI. Yes, actually. Yeah. actually NAI, to, uh, sorry, I'm sorry. He went to see an NAI school and then found out that he was uh, prohibited from playing at the NAI level as well. So mm-hmm. apparently his college career is over because he acknowledged taking a banned supplement. And you're mm-hmm. right, that's uh, that, that depth with you lose Parker is gone, played a lot. Uh, Jalen Lane was gone, then he came back. He was here in the spring. Mm-hmm. Now he's gone. He had played a good bit year before last. And... Um, Oh, Octavius Morgan. Uh, yes, injury. Uh, suffered the knee injury just about, you know, this time last year in August, major knee injury, and uh, just decided that it was not it had not rehab to the point that he was going to be able to make it back and play this year. So you're right. I think depth, a, depth of concern for the Red Raiders on the back end. Here's, here's another concern I think the Red Raiders have from my perspective is maybe – the situation in the offensive line, because uh, Matt Wells, you know, said right off the top, going into uh, you know in his first press conference going into camp, Terrence Steele got hurt this summer, the upper body injury, mm-hmm. and um, you know that one that was a that's the most experienced unit on your team is the offensive line because you have 
four guys back who had started 114 games among them with Steele and Bruffy at the tackles and Anderson and Akamnanu at the guards and the guys at least played a little bit, Dawson Deaton's at center. So you mm-hmm. feel like, okay, you know what you got with the offensive line. These are guys, as we said about the starters in the defensive backfield, they're guys who have played a lot of Big 12 football. But then right off the top, you're having to shuffle around and scramble because one of your offensive tackles has basically missed a big portion of camp. Now it looks like we've seen we have seen uh, Terrence when we've gone in for post practice interviews. Yeah, he's been there. In, did see him in full pads this mm-hmm. week, so he's out there. Matt Wells says he's still limited. He hasn't committed yet publicly to mm-hmm. saying still will be back ready for the first game. But I think that, that I think that's a concern from my perspective, or should be, is that. Uh, you had all these experienced guys, but you lost continuity uh, here these first two, three weeks of practice. Well, the the, the one thing, and, and I guess just to kind of keep it on the concern factor, and then I'll kind of – or I'll make a point, and then I'll keep it back to concern factor. But I think the one thing that is kind of helpful to Texas Tech compared to last year where you were literally thrown into the fire when you're playing a, a team like Ole Miss your first game. This year, I mean, let's be honest. I know I'm wearing my UTEP alumni shirt just for – giggles just to make you laugh but you're playing montana state and texas el paso those are two teams that you should beat those are two teams that you should get some pretty good reps with with your backups hopefully by the third and fourth quarter towards the latter end of both and i think if, Arizona, if, you, if you don't matt wells is going to be in some hot water in a hurry now that he will but i i would be super shocked if either of them kind of posed a, that much of a threat going into that second half the first half i think of Montana State will not necessarily be the worst thing in the world because everyone's rusty. It always happens in the week one, whether it's high school, college, or NFL. There's always something that happens that can be a crazy type deal. But I think once you see what happens in the second half in terms of adjustments, I think you're going to see what you have with the Texas Tech uh, Red Raiders. But just to kind of go on to your point in terms of concerns, Don, I know you talk about the experience and kind of some guys kind of moving around with the offensive line, I think sticking with offense, the type of experience that you don't have coming back with the wide receivers. You got a guy named TJ Vasher that has caught a couple balls, but other than that, I mean, yes, you and I may know some of these guys because we've covered them, but a lot of no names in terms of uh, guys that haven't made catches, although Kashawn Allen is certainly a, a Sean barn Carter. burner. Kashawn yeah, 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 Carter, yeah. Carter, I'm sorry. Kashawn Carter is going to be a barn burner. Uh, I believe uh, you've also got some guys in Dalton Rigdon, Xavier White, who's been a name that's been coming up during uh, Texas Tech camp as well. Over and over and over and over, Xavier Which is good in one one part of that discussion. But the other part is, what does that say about everyone else? And I think that's what you're going to find out when they do play against Montana State is who is going to be one, not only the go-to receiver of Alan Bowman, because last year you had a guy named J.D. on high. That was kind of your so-do tight end in terms of the, the guy that he could throw it to. He knew he was going to get a first down from or he could kind of make plays with. You had a guy named Antoine Wesley that kind of came out of nowhere and really stepped up for you. Will T.J. Vasher do that? The last couple of years he hasn't because you've seen two guys that have kind of emerged in front of him. Yes, you had a Kiki QT the year before. Yes, you had Antoine Wesley last year as well. But it's just a matter of can you see him step up or will you see easy Eric Ezukanma kind of step up? Yeah, and 
to be fair to Vasher, I mean, 54 catches, 687 yards, and seven touchdowns last season. Not uh, oh no, it, not it, insignificant. No, but absolutely. Yeah, I think the thing with TJ is people look at him and say, oh, this is a guy who should be catching 70 balls for 1,000 yards and double-digit touchdowns because I suppose, you know, he's so yes, tall, yeah. big target, mm-hmm. ath- good athlete, that sort of thing. So I think people feel like there's another level there for him. And when is he going to achieve it? Or will he achieve it? And if so, when? Um and there's a lot of, I mean, if you break, let's break it down kind of position by position. On sure. The, at the X receiver spot over on the left side, Eric Azukanma is kind of the young talent guy that has everybody excited. Mm-hmm. You know, 6'2 or 3, yep. 210 pounds. Had some time to learn like last that, year. You know, feel like that he is going to be, uh, could be a all Big 12 type of receiver, but he's yep. a redshirt freshman. Yep. So he's another guy that people's expectations, I think, probably will maybe outpace what he is ready to do right away. Mm-hmm. Um, then at the uh, same position as him, you have R.J. Turner, who mm-hmm. I feel like people are – he's a name that people are not familiar with. Grad transfer from Louisiana Lafayette for those Monroe. that are just li- – oh, Monroe, Monroe, pardon me, yeah. But the interesting thing to me about R.J. Turner is – here's a guy, okay, he's a senior, and Louisiana Monroe played a ton of paycheck games. Yes. He played against uh, – and I don't have these in front of me, but I asked him, and he he ticked them off. It was like Auburn and Alabama mm-hmm. and Texas A and A lot of SEC teams. Um, it, he played like eight eight non conference games in his career there against SET, SEC teams, and Oklahoma was another one. And if you look at it, he put up some big numbers against big time programs. Mm-hmm. This is so. This is a guy that tells me that he's legit. He came from a uh, small program, but when they played Auburn and A&M and Alabama. And Mississippi, and Georgia, Miss, Florida State, Oklahoma. I'm, I'm reading your story put, now. Yeah, so. thank you. <laughs> thank you. But, yeah. but, mm-hmm. And he put up some good numbers and some yep. big games against those schools. Yep. Yes, his, his team got wiped out, but uh, he put up some good numbers. So I think he's a player that people are maybe um, – don't really know much about, but are going to pretty soon. So, yeah, I think that position you have kind of the quality senior guy transfer and the exciting young redshirt freshman. And then not to interrupt you, Don, but I think R.J. Turner could be a huge difference maker in the red zone, which is where they thought T.J. Vasher could have been last year. And I think that's – Good size guy. Yeah, kind of to your point, um, I think – unfortunately, when you're a wide receiver or you play a certain position, there are certain things that people remember. Everyone will remember the the drops that T.J. Vasher had, and I think that's what has been following him. And I think this is the year where if he does make some catches, people will remember how good of a wide receiver he is compared to the potential that you're kind of seeing. Go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say, then over on the other side, you have Vasher, you know, yep. big athlete guy, and mm-hmm. Sean Carter, the small speed guy. Yeah. Then at the uh, – was H- moved outside from inside. I, I, I think right, that's right, kind of a big right. deal. Yes, frankly. it is a big deal because yeah. last year he was used exclusively on the inside. Cliff actually talked about using him on the outside, but yeah. then they never did it. Mm-hmm. This year Matt Wells is going to do it. They moved him outside, so they want to single him off. up. Yeah, they want to <laughs> single him up against yeah. corners and yeah. throw the deep ball to him. Then you have the H inside receiver where I think this is something we've kind of learned in camp was, um, you know, in the spring, into last season, you thought, who is going to play there? Yep. And when they moved Carter to the outside, they moved Seth Collins from the outside back to the inside. Who's still and nursing was, an injury. Yeah, and it was yep. supposed to be Seth Collins there. Mm-hmm. Seth broke his collarbone in spring practice, had surgery, and one of those 
unwelcome developments is it didn't heal nearly yeah. as fast as they thought it was going to and we really haven't seen or heard a thing from Seth Collins. Mm-hmm. He is still down. So it looked like your eighth position was in, in trouble, but now you have Dalton Rigdon there, who's uh, an underrated athlete. You're talking mm-hmm. to go long jumps nearly 25 feet, uh, who runs the 200 in under 22 seconds. One stayed at the 4A level One with that 25-foot uh, mm-hmm. long jump. Yeah. Uh, McLean Mannix transferring in from Nevada. He's yep. battled through some injuries, but he's healthy now and back full go. Matt Will said the other day, and he alluded to him earlier, Xavier White from Monterey, mm-hmm. yet another example of a guy who plays West Texas high school football, goes completely under the radar because recruiting services and a lot yeah. of college programs don't really come out and look at West Texas high yep. school football players. But there's a guy two years ago on a good team at Monterey, he caught 64 passes for 1,000 yards. That he did. Went to a Kansas junior college last year, mm-hmm. kind of got his feet on the ground, decided he wanted to come back home, walks on at Texas Tech, and there's – Really bet on himself, honestly. Bet on himself yeah. because he's still a walk-on. That he is. And, uh, but he's a guy who I dare say every time we talk to uh, every media availability we've had this year in August, somebody has mentioned Xavier White's name. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think it kind of caught people out of the blue because the first time we heard his name which was Thomas Leggett at safety. Yep. People asked, okay, who's giving you trouble when you're going one-on-one against yep. a receiver? And he said, I tell you what, Xavier White, that guy's got yeah. something. And I think – I had to double take because I was like, Xavier White of Monterey. He's like, yeah, yeah that guy. Yeah, Xavier yeah. White from Monterey. Yeah. And then yeah. ever since then, it's been Xavier White, Xavier White. Yeah. It's getting talked about a lot. Uh, and Matt Will said he catches the ball and he makes a move quick, mm-hmm. which is you know what you need from the H inside receiver position. And I think uh, j- just to kind of make this quick because – Obviously, we want to kind of get to the defensive side, too. But I think when you look at what you have at quarterback, yes, Alan Bowman had a couple of fluke uh, injuries last year, the same one that if it happens to you once, you think it's kind of a crazy thing, but it happened twice to him last year. Assuming he stays healthy, you're okay. But then you look at what you have afterward. You thought you had a potential uh, pretty good guy in Maverick McIver who could have provided some depth. You got Jet Duffy, and then you brought in Jackson Tyner out of Rice. But now, as we learned, uh, I believe it was a couple days ago or yesterday, I can't remember what day it is, I, I forget, but uh, Coach Matt Wells mentioned the fact that in that second scrimmage, Maverick McIver injures his foot, has surgery, and now he's out till November and may not come back. Uh, but he's out for an extended amount of time, as Matt Wells had said. So other than the fact that you lose a really talented guy in uh, the central Bobcat, uh, Maverick McIver, who tore his ACL as a senior, uh, I, I would yeah, have to imagine that. Yeah, I was going to say, do, do you kind of I, – I guess Duffy's number two now. You almost have well, to you know, here's. I think this is one of the interesting cam developments. I'm glad you touched on this because um, I have thought it was very interesting that all the way through camp for the last three weeks when we have asked Matt Wells about the backup quarterback, he has never – Said never even come close to saying Jet Duffy is his number two guy or number seven, which I mean, which, which is the number he wears. I mean, uh, Bowman obviously is, the, is your number one, yep. but uh, I would have thought coming out of last season that Jet Duffy is you know the number two quarterback. He got experience. He played a lot. He had yep. nearly sixteen hundred yards total offense. We all know the mistakes he made. Yep. But you also said you know saw the raw talent, the touchdown run at TCU, mm-hmm. four hundred yards passing, four touchdowns against. Uh, 
Texas had a hand in three touchdowns coming off the bench against Oklahoma. Almost Led, brought him back in that game. Almost brought him. Well, and I was yeah. going to say almost brought him from way back yeah. against West Virginia. Had the yeah. ball and a chance to tie it mm-hmm. after you're down 35 to 10 at halftime. Mm-hmm. We all know his flaws, but we also all know his talent. Correct. And so I've, I thought it was interesting, though, that throughout camp, Matt Wells has never once said that Jet Duffy is, is, is the guy, he's the mm-hmm. number two quarterback. So that tells me that they've kind of seen the same flaws that Cliff's staff saw. Mm-hmm. They need more consistency and better decision-making from him. And I really felt like from what we saw in the brief time that we saw at Maverick, Ma- Ma- the brief time that we saw Maverick McIver, you could certainly see the physical ability and oh, the yeah. arm strength with him. And uh, I think Matt was very open to any of us that was open to him yeah. playing this year mm-hmm. if uh, he could take that number two job. So now it kind of throws the uh, – with him being out, it kind of throws – shifts the battle from Duffy to Jackson Tyner, the mm-hmm. senior grad transfer from Rice. But we'll go back and touch on Allen for just a moment. Sure. I think it's interesting because people, people seem – Skeptical that Allen uh, can play, go through the season injury free. Now, you know, what Allen has said again and again, whenever he's been asked about the lung injury, mm-hmm. is that the doctors have told him, you are at no greater uh, risk of having that deflated lung again than you and I are, that he's over it. Uh, Allen said, you know, with the scar tissue patched over it, he feels like it's good as new, if not better. And again, he said he says the medical professionals have told him he is at not at increased risk for this happening again. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, taking that at face value, I think Allen's just like any other quarterback. There's no reason why he can't play a full season, healthy, play for 12 games. Um and, you know, kind of take his game up to the next level. But I, th- I think there's a little bit of folks are being alarmist when they almost see it as a uh, as um, a foregone conclusion that Alan Bowman's going to have the lung injury again. He's going to yeah. be sidelined again. It's a freak injury. It really is. Like, I, I mean, here, here's the key. You have better pass protection so that well, you're not getting hit in the yeah, ribs by a 270-pound defensive yeah. end and uh, don't get hit in the ribs by a 240-pound linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, we'll see. It kind of goes back to what you were talking about. How does the offensive line work this year? Because, of course, it was a problem last year. Yes, you do bring back guys with some experience this year, but will it still be a problem? But uh, last two things I, I wanted to touch on before we kind of close this one out. It's going to be a little bit longer of a podcast just because we've been gone for so long and Believe me, Don, as much as I don't like to make you do this because I know you love it and I love it, but um, people have been asking for your opinion on Texas Tech Athletics, specifically the football team, just because it's been so long. But um, I think the elephant in the room, it's almost become a running joke on Twitter for me and you, but the kicking game. Which Matt, which Matt Wells didn't want to talk about the kicking game. That's a concern for me. Just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it is. Just, sure. just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the kicking game. Yeah, I mean, you obviously have a junior college guy, you've got a freshman, and you got some other talented guys. I mean, that's one thing that Matt Wells has mentioned. They have talent, but it's a matter of you do not have Clayton Hatfield walking into Jones AT&T Stadium again, and that's going to be a problem. You don't and have Dominic Panzolo as a senior. You don't have Daquan Bowman, who is a senior. Mm-hmm. You don't have Kyle Heffron as a deep snapper. That's right. I forgot about so, all those guys, too. So every single one of your um, – special teams positions that the guy has the football in his hands. Mm-hmm. All those guys were seniors last year. 
Mark Tomardall, the new special team scouts, rebuilding that completely from scratch. And you mentioned, I mean, Matt Wells, when we asked about him after the first, asked about them after the first scrimmage, said he didn't want to talk about the kicking game. Yeah. Would love to talk about them when they did something that was yeah. worth talking about. They did something. And he did. Yeah. He did. After the second scrimmage, he said the three kicking counters were 17 out of 18, 9 out of 9 in live situations. And so. Didn't kick it past 50. I know you asked that. Did, so. Didn't make any long field. Didn't attempt any long yeah. field goals, but uh, didn't. Uh, so it's Jonathan Garibay from Riverside Community College. It's Trey Wolf from mm-hmm. Klein, redshirt freshman, who was in the program last year. And it's uh, Gabriel Lozano from Austin, who had some really impressive numbers at uh, Austin Westlake. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, you know, this was going to be a concern regardless, yeah. just because you got completely new guys who haven't played Division One football. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to continue to be a concern until one of those guys makes eight field goals in a row, mm-hmm. I think, because they're going to be in a uh, big stadium for the first time. They're going to be in front of 50,000 people if it's in Jones Stadium. Or doesn't shank a punt, of, too. Uh, you have to remember that. That, that did happen a couple times that first year with uh, Panazzolo. That's what everyone kind of wondered was, would he figure, figure things out? He did eventually. Well, you know, at least uh, for, from the punting standpoint, you have a guy who has the reputation. Yeah, it's the, a good word. You're punter's reputation is better than the kicker's reputation. The punter's Austin McNamara. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. all Arizona. Mm-hmm. He was uh, second-team All-American you know, last year by the USA on the USA Today High School All-America team. He also has this association with uh, uh, Vanderjacked, Mike Vanderjacked, who kicked uh, from the in the NFL for, what, 13 years? Yep, with like, the Cowboys and the Colts. Cowboys and, and, and some Colts. others. So he's a guy who's kind of been trained well, I think, from uh, – a special team standpoint. Now the heat's on him to immediately produce as a true freshman. Which, like I said, you've got two games to kind of figure this out, whether or not people want to admit it or not, but I think that's really what these first two games are, is figure out what you have in a live game situation where you're not going against the, uh, you're not kind of going against your teammate anymore, which I think is, yes, it's going to be the number one uh, thing that every player will say they want to play against someone else, but I think from the coaching staff's perspective is they want to see how some of these guys react in the 3 p.m. heat of a Montana State game, and if you really want to call it a 7 p.m. crazy night game against Texas uh, El Paso, but I think those two are going to be huge uh, litmus tests as to how they will go against Arizona because a 9:30 game at Arizona, Pac-12 team, that's going to be where you kind of figure out what you are because after that you got at Oklahoma. That's going to kind of open up your Big 12 play, and that's going to be. A very, very tough one for Texas Tech, but I think if you know what you have going into Arizona, at that point you can kind of game plan around what your weaknesses are and kind of work towards your strengths. Yeah, you do have, uh, and it'll be the first kind of big one, September 14th in Tucson. They have the open date after that. Before They do have a couple of nice open dates this year because you play through, the Red Raiders play three games, then have an open date, then they play five games then have an open date on the first Saturday in November. So two of those at, I think, very convenient times to kind of break up the schedule, one after non-conference play mm-hmm. and one midway through Big 12 play. So that's kind of helpful. Uh, a couple of quick items on sure. defense uh, quickly before we get to the season predictions. Um, maybe from a camp development standpoint, uh, we know the kind of outside linebacker hybrid positions, Xavier Benson, redshirt freshman, will be starting at that uh, Raider defensive end outside mm-hmm. line spot. And Evan Rambo, the grad transfer from Cal, will be starting at that spur position with his combo outside linebacker and safety. And one 
one kind of development uh, that we've kind of became aware of over the past week is if you want a freshman to keep in mind uh, defensive line Tony Bradford from mm-hmm. Galena Park North Shore he was the star a star player on the class 6A division 1 state championship team last year very memorable one defensive very memorable one yeah, yeah. ended on, in a dramatic way he made uh, defensive player of the year on the that he did touchdown club of Houston mm-hmm. honors banquet so he's a guy who came in with a reputation but appears to be living up to it pretty quickly because he's a guy who uh, was talk of camp um and really got a lot of attention this past week. Kind of a guy who's a guy groomed by, looks like groomed behind uh, Broderick Washington. Undersized at 6'1", 265, 270 pounds. But a guy who's really impressed the coaches with his effort, his motor, his maturity, uh, and his power and explosiveness, even for a relatively small defensive lineman. So... That'll be a name kind of watch uh, as a young, promising young player on the defensive line. So now, uh, uh, you want to do a season predictions, Carlos? Yeah, season uh, predictions, and then I'll, I'll even throw out one more name for you. Tyreek Matthews was one yes, that kind you. of Matt Wells has been talking about a lot, and frankly, that there've been a lot of freshmen that he's talked about, and I think he even just straight up asked him, "Who are some guys that you can kind of see yourself playing?" Because I think he mentioned uh, either at the beginning of spring camp or in the middle. They've played about six to seven freshmen, and again, it's not that they're going to put them in a starting position. Of course, you have that rule where you can play a kid four times before you can take off the red shirt, so you're going to obviously get some of these guys some playing time against Montana State and Texas El Paso if things go the way that they should. Uh, one being Tyreek Matthews, who I mentioned. And from what I've observed, it uh, looks like during the open sessions that we've seen in mm-hmm. practice, Tyreek Matthews is uh, kind of a guy who has an inside linebacker's build of, listed at 5'11 and 220 pounds. But from what I've seen, they've uh, had him out there on the flank on the outside, kind of in that position, that defensive end outside linebacker kind of rush spot that Xavier mm-hmm. ben, where Xavier Benson's the starter. And so uh, don't be surprised if you see him kind of uh, in that edge position kind of like what Tony Jones and Colin Hill played last year. And I think you may be scrolling looking for I'm the other freshman that uh, Matt Wells mentioned. Uh, Alex Hogan, but the only thing is he's been hurt. I'm trying to find someone else that he had mentioned. Uh, well, he, me- he mentioned uh, – he named uh, Tony Bradford, mm-hmm. Quentin, uh, as you mentioned, Tyreek Matthews. Mm-hmm. Quentin Williams? No, he did not mention okay. him. Okay. Um, he, he named four this week, and we – <laughs> I, I can't remember for the life of me right now. Well, Austin McNamara, the punter, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Trey Cleveland, wide receiver, he says it's a possibility, and and I'm forgetting the other. But uh, so I guess. But there's six we'll, guys. We'll, we'll move on. Well, you know, he actually yeah. narrowed it down to, like you said, this week he said four for sure, and Tyree, Trey, Trey Cleveland possibly a fifth. But mm-hmm. so he seemed to kind of narrow that uh, a circle of guys that he was willing to say. Uh, off the top, he felt comfortable comfortable playing from the beginning of the year. Well, okay, on to on to predictions. How do you think? Uh, how do you think it's going to go this year, Carlos? I think best case scenario, you get six and six. And the only reason I say best case scenario is because you've got some really tough road games, and if you're able to kind of flip the script on some of those, then you can see yourself enjoying a pretty good year with like seven to eight wins. And the ones that really kind of can go either way for me are at West Virginia and at Texas. 
West Virginia not known for uh, Texas Tech making some some big wins there. Obviously, a lot of terrible losses as you've kind of seen over the years in Morgantown, where you had you had the lead, then you give it up. You have some crazy after after the whistle penalties that kind of hurt you in there. But I uh, again, maybe it's just a, a Chris Beard thing that's kind of stuck with me. But this discipline thing seems to really permeate throughout this uh, whole press conference stuff, and I think it's permeated into the team. I think if they're able to just play and not get those really untimely penalties that hurt you, kind of take away 15 yards or extend a drive for the opposing offense, I think that's going to change things for West Virginia, who not necessarily is going to be that good of a team going into it, but still the fact that you're going on the road is still going to make it tough. And at Texas right now, I know they're kind of because, struggling. Uh, you said that one can go either way because, well, because Tech always wins in Austin these well, days, right? That, that is true. And not only that, but Texas is always uh, set to kind of have one of those, you know, just flop of a game. And not only that, but then they're kind of struggling right now, I believe, at the running back position. I think someone got hurt this year or either today or the day before. So they're kind of not good on the depth chart there. Yes, they're talented, but Texas Tech has shown the affinity, as you kind of mentioned, to kind of beat them in Austin. But last couple of years, last six couple and six times are good. There. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, uh, I kind of see six and six also. Um, I just kind of think that's where the program is right now. Um, I feel like – Which um, isn't bad. Which isn't bad. I feel it's like really I feel not. like Matt Wells has with his personality what we've seen. I feel like he's going to recruit well, and I also think that um, you know at Utah State, I, I also think that he identifies talent well. Yeah, that I, I, I see that at Utah State at least. Well, when I look at those guys, because when when you're especially safety. coaching when, coaching at Utah State. You're talking about uh, you're the third choice in the state because BYU is the big dog in Utah. Yep. And now Utah, University of Utah is becoming big dog because mm-hmm. they have a really good program with Kyle Whittingham. Mm-hmm. Won the Big 12 or won the Pac-12 South last year. A lot of folks feel like they have the potential to win the Big 12 or pardon me, Pac-12, Pac-12. outright. Mm-hmm. Win the championship game this year. So at Utah State, you're the third choice there. So I think Matt Wills you know he's kind of he's kind of had to be resourceful there, and he's had to identify talent, and they've had to develop talent, and I think it's been pretty impressive, particularly when you look at what they what that program has had at linebacker. You mentioned some of the defensive backs. You, know, you got a defensive end out of Tech, one of the Samoan kids from uh, or Tongan kids, Samoan kids from Illustrandi. Mm-hmm. He was a big time Russian kind of outside linebacker guy for him last year, and will be again this year. They've had some productive running backs. They had, you know, Jordan Love was not a highly regarded recruit. Uh, Jordan Love is a guy who could be a high NFL draft choice this next year. I think he is, you know, he, he was a big time performer for him last year. So I think Matt Wells, when you look at what he did at Utah State, it looks to me like he had to be resourceful recruiting wise, and they had to they had to have a good eye for identifying and developing talent. So that's kind of my expectation for what he will do at Texas Tech, but that's not going to happen immediately. I think in the short term, I, as you said, I think it's probably a six and six. I do think there's the potential for more, just because I feel like there's a lot of Big Twelve teams have a lot of questions this year, and it starts at quarterback. Yep. You know, TCU has questions at quarterback. Kansas State has questions at quarterback. Iowa State's Oklahoma the only one State, that you know, really brings back a quarterback. <laughs> Iowa, Iowa, Iowa State, well, there's, there's five five yeah. schools that bring them back. Five Texas. Yeah, Elling, you got Ellinger. Ellinger back. You have Purdy back. You have uh, um, well, you have Jalen Hurts coming in at the, Oklahoma. 
But basically, you have, you have half the conference has mm-hmm. a question mark quarterback and question marks elsewhere. So I think I think there's a potential for more than six and six. But right now, I'm kind of seeing this as a as a six and six kind of year. Which the thing is, is with the six and six year, that means things can turn on a game where, like you said, when you have so many questions with some of these teams, other than I, I guess you can kind of make the argument that Oklahoma, Texas, and Iowa State are probably your top three teams right now. And if you kind of get a victory over any of those, that's a it's a pretty big coup for you, at least in your first year. But I think everywhere else, it's kind of a toss-up between everyone else because of just the way that you have so many new coaches, you don't know what's going to happen, you have some new talent that you're trying to develop, as you mentioned. And I think uh, if you're able to start 3-0, and I think that's certainly going to put you in a good position to potentially give yourself a 6-6 six and six year and potentially a bowl. Yeah. That's, uh, we're going to be doing this a couple times each week, doing podcasts this year. Uh, and one to of our, our chagrin. We, pardon? To our chagrin. Yeah, well... <laughs> We'll get to, we watch a lot of Texas Tech football. We'll no, talk we Texas Tech football. Yeah. Uh, uh, each week, one of the two podcasts, we solicit uh, reader and listener questions, so you can send those to us uh, uh, on the Twitterverse. My Twitter, uh, my, uh, my Twitter is uh, at AJ underscore Don Williams. Carlos's Twitter is at C- uh, CM Silva Jr. Mm-hmm. So send us your uh, Twitter questions, and we'll get to those on the podcast each week and uh i guess that'll pretty much put a wrap on it for now uh, mm-hmm. look for our uh look for our daily updates on lubbockonline.com and uh listen for and uh, interact with us on twitter and listen for us uh on the podcast which will alert you to in advance each week am i forgetting anything carlos i think not man like i said it, it's the it's it's the preseason it's the preseason for us too we're learning we're trying to figure the stuff out but it was a little bit long of a podcast and we were probably expecting but as you kind of mentioned before we haven't talked in a little bit so we want to kind of give our perspective as to what we've seen from the training camp stuff uh just kind of seeing what's happened with some of the player developments with injuries and all those other things but I think we got everything, and not only that, but we got some season predictions, so people can either like us or hate us at this point now, so they kind of know what they're getting into. But 6-6, six and six, I really do believe, is a good season for Matt Wells. I know everyone was kind of expecting this great year last year from Texas Tech, but people have to kind of bring a little bit of perspective back, knowing that you don't have Antoine Wesley coming back. That's a huge loss for you. And then, of course, you had some other small little uh, losses as well in terms of Clayton Hatfield, who we mentioned, Dominic Panazzolo. Special teams is kind of big, and I think that's really going to kind of be a concern early on, as we mentioned. But uh, hopefully uh, everyone enjoyed this podcast. And as you mentioned, Don, we're going to start doing this uh, twice a week starting next week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of Montana State. All right. We will uh, talk to you again soon. For Carlos, I'm Don. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. And hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, bringing you another edition of the Red Raider podcast. And we've got McLean Maddox, a transfer from Nevada, wide receiver, inside receiver. And uh, just how's it going, McLean? It's going, I'm going good. Uh, excited for fall camp tomorrow. A lot of emotions. Uh, just getting ready for first practice tomorrow and ready for it. It's funny you mentioned emotions. I guess how emotional were you when you knew that you did get that immediate eligibility just to be able to play after you did kind of transfer here for, for obviously family reasons? I mean, a lot of happy emotions. Uh, I was really happy. I mean, it was that was one of my goals after I transferred here to try to get my immediate eligibility. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's big. I mean, I'm ready to play this season, and I didn't want to sit out. How much of a weight is that kind of lifted off your shoulders, knowing that you don't have to worry about that kind of the whole time you're training and kind of all those things? It's huge. I mean, it was pretty late. Yeah. Uh, and, 
probably in, it was late May. And but I mean, I was training the whole time, not knowing if I was gonna be able to play. But I was, yeah. I was still giving them all for the team in this case, you know. So I guess for you, what kind of enticed you about Texas Tech, or what kind of led you to Texas Tech? I mean, once once I decided I was gonna transfer, I knew the re- the reasoning while I was transferring. I knew I was gonna come closer home, and mm-hmm. I knew Lubbock was really close. So I, I reached out to Coach Wells and got talking, got on a visit, and. I loved it here, and I, I just knew this was a place I wanted to be and play for. Can you kind of discuss what Matt Wells is like? I, I know everyone kind of sees him on the, t- on the TV and kind of when he does the press conferences, but, but what's he like as a coach for you all? Oh, he's a great coach. I mean, he's pushing us every day to be great. He's mm-hmm. not going to let us settle for anything other than great. He wants us to – I mean, he wants us to work hard every day as hard as we can, just leave, leave it all on the field and just go out there and do it for our teammates, not for him, and mm-hmm. just go out there and be the hardest workers on the field. Had yourself a season in Nevada. I guess how do you kind of improve on that? I mean, there's a lot of things I can improve on. I feel like, uh, I mean, being more of a, I can improve on blocking my, yep. uh, my hands, my uh, route running. There's always, mm-hmm. you can always improve on everything as a receiver mm-hmm. and uh, just being, I guess, just an overall team player. So when did you realize, hey, I'm going to be a wide receiver? Because I know obviously everyone always looks at quarterback, running back, or wide receiver. I guess what kind of got you to wide receiver? Uh, I guess it was in high school. I play. I started. I was running back my first three years, yep. and then I kind of trans transformed into a little slot. I didn't. I didn't get the height, obviously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and then I started playing a little slot, still a little running back, and then I ended up moving over to Millen High, and I mm-hmm. strictly played receiver, and mm-hmm. I, I just fell in love with it. Then I knew I wanted to play receiver. Now, I know everyone always talks about the height, if you want to call it that, but how much does that help you too? Sometimes either hide yourself, or maybe even have a lower center of gravity sometimes for a tackle. I feel or, like it's good for me. I mean, I have. I feel like I have speed at this height, and I don't know. If I was taller, if I'd still have this, yeah. you never know. So. Yeah. So I guess uh, who would you say you try to emulate, or who, who do you kind of look at on the TV and say like, I would like to play like that guy? Julian Edelman, definitely. Yeah. And a guy that was retired, Wes Welker. Yeah. So, so I guess so. Uh, what are some characteristics that they have that you kind of want to emulate? Oh, uh, they're just gritty players. They play hard. They're going to catch the ball in traffic. They they do the dirty work basically. They do the things that the other guys don't want to do, and they. They're just uh, overall team players, and they're winners. Now, on that same note, how would you describe the way you play now? I feel like I play similar to them. I yeah. try to emulate those guys, and uh, I, I feel like I have a, little, a few of those characteristics. I can always work on those. So I know you kind of came in with some credentials that I, that, that I kind of alluded to, had over about 1,300 yards there in Nevada, a lot of touchdowns. I guess how do you feel kind of being in that wide receiver room with a guy like T.J. Vasher or R.J. Turner? I guess what, what, what's that wide receiver room like? Uh, I mean, we have a lot of athletes. There's yeah. a lot of guys. We have some depth this year. TJ's a great player. Mm-hmm. RJ, he's also another good player. And in the slot room, we're in different rooms, but mm-hmm. uh, we have some great players in there too. Dalton Rigdon, Sterling Galvan. Yeah. And uh, we have two Xavier's now, Xavier Martin. Mm-hmm. And then we have another Xavier that just moved in. Mm-hmm. And we have we have some great depth, and we have some great players in the receiver room. So I guess just for you, I guess what what, what are your expectations for the receivers? Or I guess what, what are you hoping people can kind of see from y'all? Uh, we just want to. We just want to be a gritty, te- gritty uh, group of receivers and uh, be the hardest workers on the field. Do the dirty work and uh, just do it. I mean, do what we can for the team to get wins. I guess just in terms of time, I know you haven't been here that long, but have you felt like you've had to take on a leadership role just because of the, I guess, the classification, if you will, and the experience you you can kind of bring to this team? I feel like I have taken on a leadership role. I mean, the the slot room's young. Yeah. Uh, we have two juniors, and then we have a, a redshirt sophomore and a freshman. I feel like. Uh, I mean, I've taken on a little bit of a leadership role, but being out in spring didn't help me much. But I'm excited to be back with the team in the fall camp and just get to work. It's going to be a question I ask everyone, but when do you know it's really football season? Uh, I mean, we knew it was in January. We yeah. started, that's when we started working seven yeah. months ago. So we're just getting ready for August 31st. 
Awesome. Once again, this is McLean Mannix. Once again, transfer from Nevada, wide receiver. Inside receiver, you'll see him playing inside the Jones AT&T Stadium as well. Appreciate the time, McLean. We'll talk to you later. This has been another edition of the Red Raider Podcast. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal.